welcome to this week's episode of Mum Talk Series 4, Episode 8, and this week is Guest Week. I am joined on today's podcast by the wonderful woman that is Steph Douglas. Now, I connected with Steph through Instagram. I've been following Steph for quite some time. She is mum, a mum of three and runs her own company, Don't Buy Her Flowers, which started when she was on maternity leave. On her Instagram channel, she very openly chats through some topics two of which we specifically touch on today. The first being relationships and the second being a blog that she wrote about pulling up the drawbridge. All will become clear as we get further into the podcast. But on today's podcast, we chat a lot about relationships, how to survive the stresses of every day, how to constantly avoid being on each other's backs, coming back to kindness and love, and going back to why we got married in the first place. We then do touch on overwhelm and how this leads into manic mode. I experienced this, well, I've often experienced it before, but I did experience it right before I went to London and I just think I had a little bit too much on my plate and I just had no space, no capacity for anything else other than Amandine and what I was working on and poor Hendrik just got pushed to one side. So I chat to her about that and I also chat to her about this pulling up the drawbridge so when you've just given birth how to manage family and friends coming over. So if you're pregnant at the moment, this is a really, really great listen. And of course, with Steph running her own business, we touch on the work-life balance and how she manages that. So enjoy today's podcast and I'll catch up with you at the end. You pretty much keep me sane by sharing everything that you share on your Instagram. Um, because marriage and babies is really hard and no one talks about the marriage side of bringing kids into the world very often. Yeah. Um, and I really related to a lot of your posts recently and I've had, I get a lot of questions saying kind of, you know, marriage is really difficult. Have you, um, been going with Hendrik and Hendrik isn't particularly happy about me sharing so much of our relationship side. Um, which I think is really normal. Like there are lots of people like that. I think Doug is just how he does. How he has no level of embarrassment. <laughs> I mean, Doug. Doug. I don't know why. I don't know what his parents did, or whether he just doesn't get embarrassed. So he's kind. As long as no. As long as people are truthful. Like if I was making him look bad, yeah, and he didn't feel it was justified, he wouldn't be down with that. And there's, there's been a couple of times. I mean, he's not on social media, so I can get away with quite a lot. Now, he, he, he would, I think when I write blog posts about relationships and stuff, I, um, he always checked, you know, he always would read them. Yeah. And if it was something that he felt was a bit one-sided, but I, don't, I think there's, it's almost no point in it being one. There's no point in going like, men are shit. Like, they are, but equally, I'm also really hard work. So I think, hopefully, I portray a bit of a balance. It's more to say... I think it's hard for both of us, really. Yeah, and you do. You absolutely do. There's, it's completely balanced, everything that I've read, which is, you know, gets me thinking a lot of the time because I read it and I think, oh, God, yeah, no, that was definitely Maybe me. <laughs> <laughs> so let's introduce you properly. Yeah. You are obviously mum to 
One girl and two boys? One girl and so boy, girl, boy, um, eight, six, and one. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So did you always plan to have three kids? So I'm from a massive family, so I've got five siblings. Wow. Um, yeah, and my mum and dad did fostering and adopting, so it was oh. always a really big, hectic, mad house. So I kind of thought, oh, well, I'll have at least four. Yeah. I had no idea that having just one is quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> And the impact it had, you know, for me, it was like, oh, yeah, four babies would be nice because that was the size I wanted. I had no concept of what that takes from you or your relationship or anything else. So, um, or financially. But so I had, uh, and then I think when I had one, it was like, oh, and then we had two, but I just, I wasn't done. I knew I wasn't done. I knew two wasn't going to be enough. And Doug wasn't that keen on a third. But in the time, he kept swinging between yeah, okay, this could be really cool, and, oh, God, we won't survive it. And in the meantime, I just got pregnant. <laughs> and then, but what is really nice is I'm so done now. Like, And it's quite interesting because a lot, quite a lot of people I speak to that have had a third are like, oh, my God, we're done, 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 done. Whereas when they had two, they didn't feel that way. Yeah. And so I think at least I know I've, I've definitely completed. <laughs> Do you know Sarah um, Turner, the unmumsy mum? So I, she yes, was on the yeah. podcast because she actually lives pretty locally to me, which is lovely. And, and she was saying, yeah, I've had my third. I'm so done. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly the same. And Zoe dressed like a mum and Clemmy Telford. Oh, Clemmy Telford. Every now and then she's like, oh, I'm broody. Like, I'm not broody at all. I like, I've, I've got no interest. Yeah. So, yeah. There's quite a few of us that have banged out the third one and then, you know, we're done. So you are founder of the lovely company Don't Buy Her Flowers. So how did all of that come about? So the idea came when I had my first baby and I got sent loads of flowers. And um, and to be honest, I hadn't really thought anything about gifts or what happens when you have a baby before that. Yeah. Um, I hadn't thought much of it through at all. And then all these, the bell kept ringing, like the, the delivery people kept coming and it was like, oh, God, you get loads of presents. I had, you know, cards and lovely, lovely, like, wish, you know, wishing you best and all that. And it's like, work, I'd worked in advertising. So, obviously, I worked with lots of different companies. And so they were all sending these big bouquets. And But I, just really quickly, I was like, God, this is a really odd gift. Like, I'm completely knackered. And I was in shock. Like, Doug hadn't been very well. Doug was diagnosed with cancer when I was pregnant with Buster. Oh, my goodness. He first baby. So I was 14 weeks when he was diagnosed. And so the whole pregnancy was, there was he was having, he had to have major surgery and then he had to have radiotherapy. And he finished the day before I went into labor. So oh. I went into labor four weeks early. Like As soon as he finished his treatment, I think my body just relaxed. Like, oh, phew, we've made it. We've, we've got that done. Yeah. And so that meant it was all a bit of a shock because I suddenly I was, I, you know, I wasn't ready at all. But I think regardless of whether you've got something like that going on or not, just that first baby is a massive shock. So I was sitting on the sofa and I was just really overwhelmed. We had too many visitors. I didn't, I, I thought, yeah, of course you show off your baby and you should, you know, you have lots of people over. So it'd be like someone coming in the morning, someone coming in the afternoon, maybe someone in the evening. And there's just so much going on. And I was just really weepy and leaking and, I'd be okay when people were there and then they'd leave and I'd be really emotional. And I think I just, it just, these flowers that were arriving, I've got to do something with those. I've got to put them in a vase. We hadn't married long. We had a little house. I didn't have anywhere to put them. And it was like, this is a really odd gift. And, 
and I didn't and we didn't think about it like masses but just then after that if a friend had a baby I would try and send them some chocolate in a magazine but it was always something for them yeah because you get I think especially with your first and it does change a bit as you have more babies but you get you get lots of stuff for the baby and actually if it's your first you've probably gone and bought lots of cutesy things and you know, you haven't, you've got lovely baby grows or you, but, or you, you would rather choose it than have someone else buy it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and I just thought this is odd. So when, when, and what I noticed as well was then when I gave something to a friend, they'd said, the messages you've got back were like, oh my God, your, your package made me cry. And it's a bit like, I just sent them some chocolate in the magazine and said, you're going to be okay. Like it wasn't, it wasn't some really amazing, luxurious gift, but it just really struck me that, oh, it's because it was about them. Yes. And that's all you want and all you need. And I just remember when I had my baby, it's not just about gifts, it's just people being kind. You know, knowing you're in someone's thoughts because you feel, I, and I say you, I'm talking about me, but I know lots of people feel the same, but I should only really talk about my own experience. But I felt really isolated even though I had people coming around all the time, I felt really unsure of myself. I questioned everything I did. I didn't know if I was feeling right. It took me ages to get the latch right. And it's just is this whole new world where you're going like, fuck, what is this? And so somebody saying to you, and I always remember that my I was in hospital. They kept me in. They were so lovely. I think they saw Doug coming in looking fucking awful because <laughs> he just had finished all his treatment. Yeah. He was exhausted because radiotherapy is like cumulative. So as it finished, it was kind of the peak of when he was feeling his worst. Yeah. And so they kept me in a couple of days. And I was like, oh, no, I should get home thinking because that's what you do. And they were like, mm, why don't you stay? And they, they really looked after me at, um, at Kingston Hospital. And so I... So I was there for a bit, and I remember I couldn't get Frank uh, Buffett to latch, and I had a message text from a friend just saying, you're, I'm sure you're doing amazingly, or congratulations, just in case you're struggling with feeding, it took me a couple of weeks, and it's going to be okay. And I just was in floods of tears. Like This was one of my best mates, one of my bridesmaids, who'd had a baby a couple of years before, and I had no idea that that's what she'd felt. Yeah. When I saw her, she was feeding a baby and she was all doing dandy. So it made me just, I was like, that's what I needed. You know, someone just to say, it's going to be okay. This might be a bit hard. I'm thinking of you. I've been there. We're in this together. All those things. I've been emotional talking about such a crying. Oh. But I just, and it was, that's all I needed. And I think, but I guess what we've done with the packages is that translated through. And I completely underestimated how powerful that was going to be. So, I mean, that's where the idea came from. And we start when I, and I didn't launch for another four years. You know, I went back to my job. Um, I was working part time. I had another baby. And but the idea wouldn't really shake. And the more I spoke with people, and I'm quite open and honest, so the more I would say, God, I found that really hard, or you know, or sent them put left food on their doorstep. The more I realised that there was something in that. Yeah, absolutely. And at the same time, I was thinking, I can't. I can't what am I going to do about work? Like, what happens when they're at school? The days are really short. Like, how am I going to? And doing that race from you know, going into central London and then racing back to get to nursery and sweating and doing that when pregnant and just thinking this is not going to work. Like I can't, this isn't going to be a long-term solution if I can't be have more flexibility and all the rest of it. So 
it was kind of too too pronged, I suppose, and it was like I need I feel like I might be able to do better if I work for myself. Mm-hmm. And also just the idea thinking this is what I think this could really have legs. So and it but has. Not- I mean it's such such a beautiful concept and it, I, I love it. If, if if you're listening and you haven't yet, go and check it out. Am I right in saying the website is just don'tbuyherflowers.com? Yeah, and and I mean, we did we when we launched it was gifts for new mums, but straight away we had people saying, "Oh, I want to send this for my friend who's unwell, or my friend who's mm. had a bad week, or they've started a new job." And I think this was what I completely underestimated. Like, the how many occasions there are when someone feels a bit useless, but yes. all wants to just get across to someone that I'm thinking of you and by making everything that you can put into packages and there's there's a lot more options now but it's all about encouraging someone to have a bit of time for themselves so whether that's a really nice gin and tonic or a thermos mug so they can have a hot cup of tea or a cook voucher so they don't have to cook like there's it's you know a beauty treat all of it is all about and TLC and that's the thing that we're retaining you know whatever we do I've got to make sure that that's where we stay because there's loads of lovely brands, there's loads of lovely gift ideas, there's lots of things, you know, we get contacted about, but that's my kind of checklist is, is this going to offer somebody TLC or practical help or whatever it is that is shows them that they're, they're being looked after. So just going back a little bit, you mentioned about when you had just got home and you had a baby and you had loads of visitors, obviously Doug was recovering. Um, I read your article about pulling up the drawbridge and it really resonated with me because when I had just given birth, I remember Hendrik and I having the discussion before we were coming home saying, you know what, we're not going to have any visitors for like the first week, maybe just my mum in the following couple of days, but no one else. Did I stick by that? Absolutely not. I remember people texting me and my mum wanting to come the same day. We only... I gave birth at 8 a.m. in the morning. We were out of the hospital by about 4 p.m. So we didn't stay in for very long at all. And I think people almost... That was almost... your first baby. Pardon? That was your first baby. That was with my first baby, yeah. And I remember... Well, now I wish I hadn't kind of rushed out of there so fast. But I think people felt like that was almost an invitation thinking, oh, yeah, she's fine. She's come out of hospital really, really quickly. Yeah. Let's bombard her and, you know, get... Get, go and see the baby when actually it's one of my biggest regrets and I do in your words wish I had just pulled up that drawbridge and mm. stuck to my guns and thought no you know what I need to meet my baby this is time for me and for Hendrik mm. nobody else so you obviously have experienced this three times yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about your um your way of pulling up the drawbridge yeah, I mean it's exactly that. When we had our first, it was it was. I don't. I just didn't know that there was an alternative. Yeah. I just thought that that's what you do. And also, I think we were one of the first of our friends to have babies. So of course, everyone they know they're all young couples who could just pop over after work or whatever, and they were lovely. You know, they wanted to come and see us, and it was exciting. It was so exciting. So it's always. Well, most I've had funny messages from people who've got terrible families, but oh. most of the time it's really well intentioned. Mm. And you want to see people. I think there is a part of you that is like, oh, the adrenaline is going nuts. Yes. But what, what I realised second time in, especially, and I, so I didn't do it the third time, is I realised that you you can't conserve the energy. So that adrenaline will go at the beginning, but at some point it runs out. 
Yes. The baby is a baby for quite like that newborn phase isn't over in a couple of weeks. So you might you might fly those first few months. You might have a baby that feeds well and sleeps well, and then you but hit four months, you'll absolutely crash because you've done too much and you've almost leapt back into your old life in the need to get up and get dressed and be out and da 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 and. But, but before you, you know, you, you're back in it and then you can't go back or it feels like you can't go back. So then you're just broken a bit because you're, you're trying to fit in this whole extra thing into your life. But you haven't got any extra time and you're tired and you're hormonal and your body is shot. Like the physical, like even if you put this mental sort of thing to one side, the physical trauma, however you have your baby on your body is massive mm. and interesting. Now, I've got a dodgy back which which has been around for a while and having a third baby it's screwed it again and having physio and stuff and when you talk to a physio they'll be like don't underestimate what having a baby carrying that baby lugging you know like those car seats are so heavy yeah. and you from not carrying a car seat to having to carry a car seat and you wonder why your back hurts or your shoulder hurts and you're hunched over feeding at 3am and so that physical side is one thing and we don't give ourselves a chance to recover and we don't very few people do like the physio exercises and slowly ease themselves into it because you just don't because you're got to get got to keep going right absolutely the mental side of it you're for me I went you know you go from one day you're having lunch out or you're having dinner and you're seeing friends and you're quite sociable and you're you know a young couple that can be really flexible and lying at the weekend or whatever to you're stuck at home, your partner's at work, and there's loads of resentment because you're like, well, I want that, but I also want to be here with my baby, but, oh, God, I'm really confused. I don't know what I want. And that's a massive strain on your relationship. But, again, if you're then also trying to fit in visitors and getting out and about, it just doesn't make any sense. And I think the drawbridge thing came, it was actually when I had my first baby, I called my mum and I was crying and I was – and she was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I'm just so tired. And she was like, well, what have you done today? And I'd met some NCT people. We'd walk around the park for a couple of hours, and I'd come home, and the baby wouldn't sleep. And she was like, why are you doing – just stay home. You don't need to do anything. And it's only in hindsight that you go, oh, I, I literally didn't have to do anything. All I had to do was feed the baby. The house could be a shit tit. I could be wearing – all my maternity clothes and my boob hanging out and no, it doesn't matter. But so many of us leap to the next, you know, we, we miss that phase. And so my mum said that and I kind of thought, oh, right, okay. She's like, you know, if, if your one thing you do that day is make it to the shop to get some milk, that's enough. Yeah. Mum had, obviously had loads of babies and she was a midwife as well. So she, and you know, and obviously she's a real carer. So she, she was very, she was telling me what I needed to hear, but I, think I was already too far into it. And also I looked around and thought, well, no one else is doing this. Everyone looks great. Everyone's out and about and their relationship's great and they're in jeans already or whatever. So you kind of think that that's what you need to do. And anyway, and then the second baby I think was even worse because I think I thought, well, I should know what I'm doing now. So I better mm. crack on. And I've got a toddler, so he needs normality. And, and actually now I look back and go, God, he was 21 months. He would have quite happily sat and watched Peppa Pig all day. 
and it wouldn't have damaged him long term. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I wish I'd done more of that, but I didn't. I was out and, God, I know what I'm doing. I'm a pro at this. And then, um, and then sure enough, like four months in, five months in, I was wrecked. And, I, and Doug and I both thought, I was, remember we were crossing a bridge in Richmond near where we live, and I just stopped walking. I was like, I'm not right. I'm not right. And he was like, no, you're not. <laughs> like, he was obviously waiting for me to say it. And I went to the doctor and they just said, have you tried communicating better with your husband? Have you tried to slow down and stopping? And, that, and, and, you know, and that was the first thing. And then they said, if you still feel like this in two weeks, come back and maybe we'll look at medication or whatever. We'll and actually that was what I needed. I needed someone to tell me to slow the hell down. Yes. Um, and and talk with my husband and try and explain what I was feeling and all of those things. And then so the third time around, I like vowed, right, I'm not doing that again. Like we we talked quite a lot about how we could do it. Like I said, Doug wasn't that keen on the third. And we were like, how are we going to do this so that it's not as hideous <laughs> in those first months afterwards? What do we do to protect ourselves? And that was to pull up the drawbridge, not worry about getting out. Spend, I spent the first week pretty much in bed and then a week on the sofa, so that was his paternity leave. And then I just didn't plan anything. So if I felt good and I felt up to it, of course I could go out or I could contact someone and say, do you want to meet for a coffee? But if I didn't, I wasn't beating myself up about it. And I bought, I bought comfy clothes in advance, big comfy clothes that I knew I was, would be okay in that were like a fit or just really looked after myself. Um... And I still have people messaging, go, hey, should I pop over? I'll come and I'll bring food, which again was lovely, but I could say, what, no, I'm not yet, or I'd love to see you in a couple of weeks. But especially when Doug was on paternity leave, it was like, I, I just need him. Yes. Um, and my mum, and like, he had to go to a work thing like a few days in. So I think my mum came up and, and I accepted the help. I, I asked for help. If somebody, like the kids, I remember he was away and I was going to have to get the newborn like in the car and get out. And it, obviously I could do it, but I could put on the WhatsApp group for school mums, can anyone pick up my kids and drop them home? There's people who lived on my road. It wasn't like I was saying, oh, could you walk three miles and go and fetch me some water from the, you know. <laughs> because, you know, we really see we can help each other in that way. And, and people like helping others, right? Like, that's a massive learning from the business. People want to be thoughtful. So if you can say to someone, "This is if you could do this, it would really help me. And if they don't want to, they'll say no. Yes. But if you know that you would do the same back, which most of us would, right? Like, if someone says to me, oh, could you pick me up some potatoes as you're passing a shop? Sure. I'm not going to be like, oh, my God, can you believe she asked me to do that? Um, so I think we're just... We've changed, our lives have changed so much but we don't have family around us necessarily and yet we are still, we're still trying to maintain the same level of we can do this all by ourselves. It's just crazy. I think one of the biggest learnings of becoming a mum actually is learning how to accept help from other people. Yeah. Because in the, you know, in the beginning I was rubbish. I was like, no, don't worry about it. Thanks so much though. That's really kind. But, and then recently, I'm, I'm just madly nodding away here as you speak because I can just relate 100% to everything that you're saying. After giving birth to Amandine, I was like, yes, yes, I can do everything. I didn't want to go downstairs before I was up, showered, dressed, ready to embrace the day. Now, 10 months in, I mean, this started happening maybe eight months in, I'm in my PJs probably until noon. 
yeah. I'm not leaving the house anymore. Like, but during the first few weeks, I was so high on what must have been hormones yeah. and yeah. just having a new baby. I wanted to get out of the house. I wanted to see my friends. I wanted to, you know, just go do something because I felt like I needed to do something. And how um, often do you hear people saying, oh, God, she's doing amazingly. She yeah. looks amazing. She's out and about. She's amazing. So we praise people for that. Yeah. And actually, what if we were to say, oh, do you know what? I haven't seen her. She's holed up. She's just at home with her baby. That, and I know, I know every now and then I'll get a message saying, I can't do that because I've got other kids or because whatever. But you can put some things in place, even if it's just that first couple of weeks. And a lot of it is about asking uh, asking for help. Like It doesn't have to be that you're paying someone to help you. It can be saying, oh, for that week, could you pick up my kids? And I know the, I think one of the big things is when you have older siblings, you feel like you've got to retain normality for them. Mm. So you kind of think, oh, I have to be at the pickup because otherwise they're already like, their life has all been thrown up because a kid, another kid's arrived. It's like, but there are ways of doing that and prepping them for that. And I think that's not the biggest thing that's going to change their day their mum being being home and calm and not crying in the corner is probably going to benefit them more than if someone else brought them home from school absolutely which leads us very nicely into the second topic that I wanted to just talk about and that is something that you've discussed recently and I urge everyone to go over um to Steph's page and have a look at her highlights on overwhelm because especially last week I have I've kind of just started going um kind of back to obviously during my pregnancy and having Amandine and I've been running this podcast but actually going to work work with mum talk podcasts and doing events and things and last week I got seriously overwhelmed I had no headspace for anything else other than the job I was focusing on and Amandine Hendrik didn't get my husband didn't get a look in which obviously led to quite the row and I went into full-blown manic mode and I just even my friends were saying Emma are you okay like this, I, I went to the point where I said to my friends, look, I'm really sorry, I can't meet with you because basically if any of your babies are sick and Amandine gets sick and then I get sick, I just have not got time for that right now. Mm. And I, it was a really selfish thing to say, but I was at that point where I was so overloaded, I couldn't take on anything else. And I was leaving Amandine for the first time overnight with Hendrik, which I've never done before. He's had her for maybe like two to four hours by himself, but never for a full overnight stint. And um, it was just too much. And you discussed the overwhelm topic so, so well um, and have had quite a lot of experience with becoming overwhelmed. And I imagine with three kids, this could happen quite regularly. And could you share with us maybe your top tips and how to navigate your relationship when you're both trying not to get overwhelmed Mm. yeah (laughs) I don't know about navigate well I do like I think also the way men and women deal with it are probably quite different but I think women tend to have a ridiculous list yeah which is the whole mental load thing where you know Doug primarily goes to work and I'm not saying that he doesn't do anything else of course he does but he, he isn't probably thinking about spelling tests, book bags, a library book that needs returning, 
uh, have they had teeth checkup, all that stuff. And I'm try- we're trying to make that more balanced. But naturally, and it, like I think there's some confusion over a lot of us want equality, men and women, mm-hmm. and then we almost think we've got it because we want it. And then you look at nearly all the couples around you go, hang on a minute, it's not equal at all. Um, so it's a really tricky one. And I think there's progress being made all the time, but we're not there yet. So I think one of the things is is handing stuff over and not expecting it to be done in the way that you do it. So, for example, I had the business, and when I first started that, it was like, I I have no, I'm, I'm just being massively overwhelmed, I've got this list of stuff I need to do, and I've got to achieve, and I can't do it, and blah, blah, blah. And, and him just kind of sitting again, well, what what can I do? And it's like the food shop, can you do the food shop? And the first few times he did it, it was shockingly bad, you know. <laughs> but how are we going to live off four packs of mints for the week for the family of poor? <laughs> no, but he got there eventually. And it'd be like, okay, we might, he might not have got the right, I don't know, bread or apples or whatever, but it's like, but he got them. But, you know, so just stuff like that, I think, I think quite often we are expecting them, we want them to do it and then we expect them to do it in the same way. Mm. But I think you've got to be able to hand some stuff over. I think it's really massive But when you have, I think a lot of women have a baby and you're on maternity, so you naturally step into much more of a homemaker role. And you take on everything in the house, but then you might maybe return to work, but you're still doing all the stuff in the house. So you're just adding to your pile. And it's the same for people starting a business. They kind of start a business, but they haven't let let go of any of the stuff they were doing before. And they still expect to be able to, I don't know, like cook the fresh food or um, keep the house, keep on top of the house. And it's like, you can't just keep adding like that's why we feel overwhelmed right because we're just adding 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 and then we're in what 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 i would call is like the rush hour of life where where we are moving houses and we are trying to renovate or we're trying to you know they're starting school or there's lots of change all the time and just or or new jobs because we're trying to progress careers because we've got more demands on our house you know to spend more money and uh so it's like just adding and adding and adding and then wondering why will our relationships break them down um, and I think we, this, I suppose this, so it's trying to hand some stuff over, trying to acknowledge that you can't just keep doing more. So I think um, Emma, the mammologist, who I talked with on this overwhelm Instagram live we did, which is on my website, she's a clinical psychologist. So I wanted someone who could talk legitimately with, you know, with knowledge and, and um, evidence about why we feel like this. So she's great for that. But she talks about being a good enough mum. I know there's other psychologists who talked about it, but it's a major thing. Like rather than having to get everything perfect, it's just not possible. Mm. Um, and then if you can take your foot off your own neck a bit and go like, well, we're going to have beans on toast again. My kids love beans on toast. <laughs> they eat a lot of beans on toast. But, you know, it's okay. I'm here. Like part of my trying to start a business was to be around more. But if I'm here, but I'm absolutely stressed to the hill yeah. and barking at them, again, what's the point? I might as well be doing a, a full-time job in town. So I suppose there's a bit of that, and I'm trying to think what else. Like, having clear weekends is a massive one for me where you don't have any plans, and it's just us, and that's time for us to connect as a family. Because I think, like, Doug's in Chicago this week. He'll come back, and he's got a stag next weekend, so I'm already a little bit 
anxious because we won't see each other and that always makes things more tricky because you're on two you're on completely different wavelengths yes you know I'm in full family but really motoring through mode because I've got to get everyone to school and it's all down to me and then he'll kind of float in probably a bit hungover from the south do and that is tricky <laughs> it's, it's something that's probably really common for couples in our age group because all these things are happening all the time yeah so for us, it probably is to have some time together. So it's like we've got to, but you've got to mark it in and go right. We're gonna go on a date, or we're gonna make sure we still have like we went to. I think you posted the picture. We went to Lauren Hill, and I was trying to cancel it that day because I, it was like the week before we moved house, and I had loads of work to do, and I was just feeling really stressed. But actually, we really needed. It was less than twenty four hours. We went. My mum had Frank. A friend had the kid. The big kid. It was less than 24 hours, but we really needed some time together because it doesn't take very long and we get back to us. Yes. And it's really easy to not do it when you're really busy. It's almost the first thing to go. And we'll say we give each other our dregs. Like, like, right, kids, we've got to give kids as much as we can. Got to put it in at work. Social life, you know, social life even, you know, being there for your friend. And then you realise you're not there for each other at all, which is really common. Like, I speak to friends about it all the time. So we've got to prioritise each other. And I think we have got better at that. We, I mean, we're only 11 years into marriage, so there's, you know, there's people who've married a lot longer. But I think each kid, we've probably learned a bit more about that. Yeah. And I certainly think that well, what we're finding at the moment is, you know, trying to balance what was married life before and now what is married life now with a baby. And, you know, we found that our marriage our relationships almost become quite functional yeah yeah, yeah. logistical yeah you know Hendrik Hendrik goes off to work then he gets back from work and it's like oh welcome back into the room and um and you know then he's got jobs that he wants to do around the house I've got things that I need to do and it's when can you have when can you look after Aldine because she's in this really clingy phase and um when can I have her so he can go do his DIY stuff which is you know important for him obviously to have that work-life balance for him to do things that he wants to be doing um but it's then finding the space to then come back to actually okay we got married because we love each other let's show each other some kindness and let's spend a bit of time together maybe have a date night and rather than just constantly being on each other's backs about you know the kindest thing is really hard because when you're when you're riled and you're tired and you're hormone and all the rest of it and then they they come home and they're probably feeling equally tired and it it can be you just clash don't you so the two of you are tired the two of you are not particularly kind and it just takes what I think that's something that um we did some counseling before we had Frank again because we were like well, how are we going to navigate this and we only had four sessions but I would really recommend it it was just about communicating and seeing it from the other having empathy for the other person like going. Like instead of saying, God, you're just going to work, whereas I have to do all this stuff. It's like, okay, but maybe this happened at work and then maybe the train was delayed and then maybe you go through all the stuff. I mean, I still think I have it harder, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but no, and I think that kind of takes one of you. And even if it's like, oh, look, I've made you a cup of tea, you know, because you're, you're so focused on the kids and then it's like, right, we'll get them to bed and then I've got an email I've got to finish. And it's like... But even just to, one of you needs to break it. And I think sometimes you don't 
feel like breaking it, but you still need to. Yeah. So my mum, my mum's really funny because her and my dad have been married for forty whatever years, and they have the best rows. Like getting in a car together. Oh my god. <laughs> oh shut up, Stephen. But when she, but she is also very sensible. So she'll kind of say, you know, be kind, be kind to him. Show him some kind of oh, shut up, mum. You, you don't do it to dad. You know, but <laughs> but it's that you could you at some point you've got to break it. And you've got to, and it, and it has to work both ways. If it's always one of you, then that doesn't work. Well, Doug started doing this thing. It's so irritating. If I'm really cross, he started like grinning inanely and like waving at me and to the point that you're like, what are you doing? And it's so ridiculous that it kind of breaks it. Because I would be human. So when we went to Oxford and we had this night away, I stormed off. I think I was hungry. I stormed off because... We hadn't sort of someone to go for lunch, and I was like, "This is supposed to be our night away, and it's supposed to, be, you know, putting massive expectation and pressure on it." Yeah. Be great. So I stormed off, and then he phoned me, and I, I didn't know where I was going. I was just being shoppy, and then I started walking back towards him, saw him across the like high street, and he just stood there waving, like looked t- like a complete idiot. And he and, and I was trying to keep cross, you know, like no, I'm, cr- I'm really cross. I'm cross. I don't even know why I'm cross anymore. I'm still really cross. <laughs> and he was like, "This is so pointless." But I think that happens to us all the time. You oh, know, yeah. you're you're so angry and you can't really see the wood for the trees, and it feels like you're giving in. And that I think I'm learning that that's just a massive part of marriage. That is, oh, you can hold on to it, but then you're just making it miserable for both of you. Yes. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think, but I think the communication thing is really important. And I think, and just before you have kids, you don't even realise that that thing because you're just doing it all the time. You come home and you probably sit and have dinner and have a drink and chat about something, and then that's just gone. That time's gone unless you forcefully make it happen. Absolutely. I mean, we we find communication pretty tricky. I think mainly because he's French. I'm not going to lie. Hendrik is half French, half German, and it's interesting <laughs> to communicate um, and a lot yeah. of things that you say or get misunderstood and I think a lot of, um, I don't think I'm alone if, if anyone else out there listening is married to a French man or has a French-German boyfriend, I think you'll probably know what I'm talking about but um, I'll he'll, he'll say something to me and it'll sound like he's being really really angry and I'm a very sensitive person so I'll think he's being angry when actually he's not he's just talking to me and he's just trying to tell me something and I can see that when we go to France and um his family they're all having a conversation and I'm there sitting there thinking are they arguing because they sound like they're arguing with each other but actually they're not they're just having a conversation so I think even your tone can be a big thing communicating, can't it? Mm. Yeah, massively. Okay, so I'm very conscious we have five minutes. Of, I have five minutes of your time left. Um, and I just wanted to ask you about the blame game, which you have chatted a little bit about um, on your Instagram feeds, because that is definitely one thing that I can massively relate to. Um and how to overcome always trying to blame the other person. Um, I mean, I know that I do do it, but I don't think Hendrik will mind me saying that he loves to find someone to blame for whatever's gone wrong. Um, yeah. How do you how 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 can how do you avoid that in your experience? I think I mean I think it comes back to the same thing of like 
sometimes you've got to be able to back down. Mm. And I mean, I lost my keys yesterday, and I was convinced it was Doug's fault <laughs> to the point that I went to him, and obviously he put them somewhere. I found them in my coat pocket yesterday. Oh no! <laughs> we were late. I was late to school because I couldn't leave because I didn't have the keys. And I couldn't have the keys to the thing with the pram in. I couldn't get. Uh, I haven't messaged him yet actually to say sorry because I sent him a few shitty text messages. But I will. But I think it's again, it's like realizing that you're. There's, you're, there's, who are you winning against? Like it's your part. It's your partner, right? Yeah. So it's there's no. I mean, it's difficult. It's, this is a really difficult one because actually, again, Emma, mammologist, said I think sometimes when they 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 have messed if they've messed up and you're really cross, but how do you keep that for? And she was saying yes. the thing is you need them to acknowledge your anger. Yeah. Because if they don't, you kind of think. But if I just don't keep hold of this. Does that mean I'm saying it's okay? And I mean, again, this is all communication stuff. So I suppose one of the things I would say is when you are having that moment when you're getting on, and it, you know, even if that's because you're on a date night or you're just sat on the sofa and you're actually managing to have a conversation, that's when you need to bring these things up, I think. And quite often what we do is you bring it up in the middle of a row. Oh, yeah. <laughs> another thing. And also we find that our language will say, you always forget to do X. Yes. And it's like trying to say, trying to stop yourself from saying always, because actually it probably isn't always. Um, do you know what I mean? And so that completely. Oh, I completely, completely know what you mean. And we are. That's yes, we do that a lot. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's all. It's all. I agree with you. It's all about communication, isn't it? And just, um, I am definitely one of my worst traits. I think is when we start to have a row, I will dredge up everything and and I think it's also because we don't give ourselves the time as a couple to resolve the things that keep coming up and keep coming up so I think until we do resolve them and until we've you know put that one to bed it's going to still keep coming up every single row that we We, have the row that we have had we're having a lot was about um like me feeling resentful that he's off to work and he's not doing enough at home and just yeah basically and he and he, at one point he just stopped and he was like Steph neither of us have any more capacity mm-hmm. so these things that you're we're listing that need to happen we're either going to have to accept they're not going to happen because it's not going to change like our situation currently is that he goes to work he's quite often away um I work from home but the business is growing so it's take you know it's taking up more and more time and he, he we were like, we either have to accept those things are not going to get done or bring someone in, find the money to pay for someone to help with whatever that is. Yeah. Rather than me going like, and you haven't done this, and you haven't done this, and I can't find time to do this. And that was quite a big, I think he got back from speaking to someone who'd been married like 20 years, and they were saying, oh, my God, because he was just obviously talking about the fact that we were having this same row over and over again. And the person was like, we used to do this until we realised that we couldn't physically, mentally fit in anymore. Yeah. So we either got to let those things go or find some help. Or, and I don't know what that is. And I know, like, I think our generation is all quite often. Like you speak when they're embarrassed to mention they've got a cleaner, and I know not everyone can afford it. But I, I've got a friend who is like, I, I, I can't afford it, but I'm going to forgo this, this, and this because. That to me is really important, and I'm spending. She's single mum. I'm spending my weekends trying to clean the house, and it's it's 
just really stressful. So for the cost of a takeaway or whatever, like, you know, I'm going to get someone else in to do it. Yeah. So we sometimes we're kind of creating rods for our own back because we've got all these preconceptions of what we should or shouldn't be doing. And we're living in a really different space to our parents. Yeah. And it's a really different setup where often I think, I think the stats are something like 97% of women work now in some capacity. So that might be working, doing some help at the school, or it might be a full-time job. But it's much, much more than it was in our mum's generation. Yeah. Um, but we learn a lot of our behaviours from them. So we talk about, like, handiwork or whatever. Like, oh, I have massive expectations of Doug, like, knocking something up for the house. But he doesn't have, first of all, he doesn't have the time, but also he doesn't have the same skill, no offense, <laughs> as my dad did, you know? Yeah. Well, my dad learned, my dad learned by practicing on their house, but I would like Doug to just do it <laughs> to the level of a carpenter. <laughs> yes, oh my goodness. And then, and then I'm annoyed that he can't do it. Yeah. Like, poor guy. And he's like, you know, he's like, well, I could do it, but I'm going to need a whole day without the kids around me, and da da da. And it's like, Oh man! Oh. <laughs> I think accepting that that it is—it's not just for women. It's like this is these are different situations for this. Is, it's a tricky time for everybody because we're we're just trying to work it all out. Absolutely. And on the dad note, let's round up with one question that I'm just selecting out of a whole bunch that I've got through on Instagram. Um, a question about. A lady has a dad friend that is struggling to know how to help mum in the early days. So in your experience from having three lovely bubbers, what is the best thing that Doug, what was the best thing that Doug did for you when you were in the early days of babyhood? I think it's it's, um, just being kind and also them not, like, I mean, we, we well, with Mabel, he started building a shed outside the front of the house and it took him the best part of a week. That caused a lot of rows. And in hindsight, he's, again, it's the same thing. Like, I'm sure for 50 quid, you probably could have got someone to put this bloody shed together. Yeah. But he, I think he kind of initially saw paternity leave as like a chance to get a few things done around the house. And actually, what I needed him to do is just look after me so that I could look after the baby or look after the big kids so that I didn't have to worry about them. Yeah. So I think, it's again, it's hard. I think it's really hard because I think, again, they probably look around and go, oh, so-and-so had a baby and she was up and about. So it's tr- probably trying to manage expectations before the baby arrives. Like, if you're not going to want loads of friends and family coming, have that conversation beforehand and, and have that conversation with family so that he doesn't feel like he's suddenly thrown in, in the lion's pit having to fend everyone off. Mm. Do you know what, like, I think, again, it is, it's just communicating. Um, and you're not always going to know what your expectations are until you get there, I guess. But what I really needed was for Doug to look after me, like, feed me, tell me I'm amazing, and just be calm. And and, it, and also, if I'm being nuts and I'm standing there in stained clothes, shrieking, just, you know, be okay with it. Yeah, and know that that's that's what I'm going to be like because I'm hormonal, and that's what new mums are quite often like behind behind closed doors. Everything that you've said, I have just been frantically nodding away back here. Um, <laughs> sound like I'm really sensible and wise, and believe me, I'm not. And Doug would be like, "Well, we're still having the same round." So eight years on from having butter, but 
Yeah, I think I think talking, talking with your friends as well, like being able to just laugh because most of it is ridiculous when you realise the kinds of dark brows you have. And when you're in it, it feels so big and so massive. Yeah. And then you, you like you sit with your mates and you realise you're standing outside the bathroom banging on the door because you're taking too long to have a shit. And you're like, this is ridiculous. What happened to us? We used to be really hot. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Yeah. Thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. I think, you know, one of the main things that you can take away from this, I mean, I certainly can, is communicate, communicate, communicate. So much can be solved and helped just purely by making and carving out that time to sit and talk with the person in your relationship, whether that be your partner, marriage, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is, is just communicate and let them know how you're feeling. Um mm. Uh, and we're all we're all experiencing the same stuff it's hard and no one ever talks about this no and that's the biggest thing I think when I was having a third I because I'd spent I'd already had the blog and I would talked about it quite a lot and I was surrounded by people that were talking about it openly you kind of think oh it's not going to be the same this time and then you have another baby and you're like yep still the mm-hmm. same still sitting at the weigh-in being like I'm going to burst into tears because they say that your baby hasn't put enough weight on or you know like or it's looking across the room at someone who's trying to breastfeed and she just looks so sad Mm. and just thinking yeah there's always new people coming into it so even if people who have been through it are talking about it when you come into it fresh you probably haven't heard those conversations Mm. so you need that reassurance really exactly and that is what mum talk is all about sharing people's experiences so those coming into this new and having no clue what is going on like me <laughs> yeah just has a little bit of something and a reassuring voice on the other end of their headphones just saying that it's going to be okay because it is it is going to be okay yeah thank you so so much Steph for joining me on one talk this week I really really appreciate your time thank you no it's all right my pleasure I so hope you enjoyed listening to that podcast. I loved listening back to the recording with Steph when I was putting this podcast together. It's really tricky finding your new rhythm once you've welcomed a new baby into the world. It can take a fair bit of getting used to and, you know, definite trial and error and new ways of communicating with your partner, whoever that might be, your wife, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend... It's tricky. Even if you're a single parent, communicating with friends and family becomes different. I mean, I think that's a whole new podcast in itself. But just know you're not alone. There are people experiencing this everywhere. So, and it's not as as it's portrayed in the movies. You know, you have a baby, you've given birth, and then life is, you know, a pretty picture. It's not. It's about continually working on your relationship or working with yourself to build a family anyway that's enough of me rambling I am going to leave it there thank you so much for joining me this week as always please feel free to reach out to me best way is direct messaging me on instagram at mumtalkpodcast or you can always email me at mumtalkpodcast at gmail.com and I love reading all your messages and your emails and I will respond thank you again have a lovely rest of your week see you next week